Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Daily. I'm Rob Byrne. And I'm Ollie Guillou. This is the only place for candidate interviews and daily campaign updates from Guernsey's 2020 election. We're aiming to be as refreshing as a Kobo breeze. As treasured as ITV's Gary Burgess. He's in Jersey, isn't he? Well, you know, everyone treasures <laughs> Gary. And with gags as cheap as a Guernsey bus ticket. <laughs> Not as cheap as they used to be. Uh, Now, we are interviewing candidates, but we're also bringing you a series of election-based features in each episode. Yep, coming up, you're going to hear from Ellis Bebb. It's a name that you'll probably recognise, and he's throwing his hat back in the ring after a four-year hiatus. Deputies feel as if they're in a goldfish bowl on a regular basis. I suppose it's not unhealthy to say that you want to take a break from that for four years. More from Ellis shortly, and we're going to discuss the Facebook group Guernsey People Have Your Say and what it says about people's relationship with politicians online. Also, don't forget to check out our series of audio manifestos. You can find these bonus episodes in the same place that you found this episode. But first, Ollie, it's time for another round of Manifesto Bingo. Hey, I'm feeling good about this. I um, I did really well last time. Um, I expect to do just as well, if not better this time, but I, uh, as always, will probably disappoint. You exceeded your own expectations. Uh, this episode, we're... Yeah, I'm going to be a bit tougher. Uh, so, question number one. Which leader of a Guernsey political party said in his manifesto, I spent a lot of time at sea and believe we have a unique opportunity to develop our harbour infrastructure. So which leader of a political party? Well, there are only a very small number. So, and I'm probably going to get it wrong because I don't really know. Is it Barry Weir? No, it's not. I was going to give you an extra clue there. Uh, It's Mark Hellyer, who used to be a sea fisheries officer. Oh, God, that should have been really easy for me after yesterday's episode. Oh, God. Yes, he did come up, didn't he? And it is specifically talking about being uh, spending time at sea. But, you know, uh, whatever. Uh, next <laughs> question. Uh, in my manifesto, I'm pictured in front of Downing Street. And I also included a picture of a Guernsey Press article about me shaving off my moustache for charity. <laughs> I mean, this moustache is, is the stuff of legends. Is it Al Bruard? It is. Yes. <laughs> yeah, who would forget Al Broad's moustache? No longer. Uh, question number three. This first-time candidate is passionate about buses and thought it was important to include that he'd written five nativity plays for St Saviour's Sunday Club in his manifesto. Um, <laughs> he also... This is quite an eccentric one. This one really caught my attention. He also included a word search, sort of a word jumble thing, so voters could find... Uh, 28 of his favourite words. That's amazing. Uh, completely random, but I, I quite like this sort of the randomness of it. I mean, I know John Gollop's passionate about buses, and, and that's the only person I know who has a real sort of passion for, for the Guernsey bus system, um, other than, you know, tourists generally who seem to think it's incredible. Um, I don't think I know who this is. I'm going to have to throw in the towel on this one. It's Fergus Dunlop who's involved in the Guernsey Bus Users Group, I believe. Of course. Right, number four. I'm a former academic who stood unsuccessfully in 2016 and quote Martin Luther King not once but twice in my manifesto. (laughs) What are the quotes out of curiosity or do you not have them? 
I've got them. Yeah, an individual has not started living until he can rise above the narrow confines of his individualistic concerns to the broader concerns of all humanity. Uh, the second is, rarely do we find men who willingly engage in hard, solid thinking. There is an almost universal quest for easy answers and half-baked solutions. Nothing pains some people more than having to think. I know all about that. It's really painful. Is it Ross LeBron? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's uh, Rob Harnish. Oh, it's Rob Harnish. Ah, oh, I should know that. Um, yes. Amazing. Incredible. Yeah. Number five, final one. Uh, wait, so what have you got here? You, you're on you're on one, aren't you? One out of four. Mm. Yeah, it's getting embarrassing um, now. Let's see if he can salvage some pride here. In his video manifesto, this candidate says he was a millionaire by 21. And of his time in business, he writes in his written manifesto, I believe that I can use this experience to bring back much needed common sense to how Guernsey is run. A millionaire by 21. That's what he says. I'm going to go with my first answer to question one, which is Barry Weir. Yay! I salvaged something back. Maybe not that much, but still, I'm, I'm pretty proud of myself. Two out of five. Not bad, Ollie. It was a lot trickier today. Up next is Ellis Bebb. He was elected as a deputy in 2012 and following his four-year term, decided to take a break from politics. But he's back with a number of new issues stirring his interest. The main one is concerning the equalities agenda and the anti-discrimination laws. You know, it's strange that in 2012, I do remember the hustings saying that, you know, it's a shame that we don't even have a race, uh, sorry, an anti-racial discrimination law in Guernsey. This is not a reflection of who we are as an island. So to finally find that, you know, eight years later, the states have agreed to a timescale in order to start bringing these legislation into place. They've put the framework in place, but it's still fairly contentious with regards to certain sectors of the population. Not so much race, maybe, but the disabilities one will be quite contentious. And what I was thinking is that um, having brought uh, same-sex marriage uh, legislation to Guernsey uh, without alienating the church, I was thinking that this would be the opportunity for me to show that I could uh, introduce anti-discrimination legislation and to do so successfully by being in consultation with businesses. So that they embrace it and they adopt it rather than what I think is happening at the moment a little bit, which is that they're feeling that this would just be an extra cost to them at the time that they are feeling quite a lot of financial burden due to the COVID crisis. There's also the question as to the long-term uh, care fund. You know, it, it's staggering that it's now going to be projected to run out of money in 2040, I believe. I'm 46 years old. I will therefore probably not be able to access the fund unless we do something about it. And there is a general tendency within the discourse on the island to just simply say, well, we need to increase the uh, amount of contributions then, because that way we'll have more money available so that we have the funds for the long-term care fund. But what that doesn't take into account is the question as to the intergeneral unfairness of the, of the system at the moment. What's actually happening is that people who are paying the money in now are paying for the people who are receiving care now with some uh, backup funds available. It's not as if you put the money in and then that's yours for you to use at a later time. And what we're looking at is a, a young generation in Guernsey who are really struggling to get onto the housing market because of the cost of housing here. And we're asking if we decide to simply increase the uh, amount of social security contribution, we're asking them to pay more. 
especially uh, painful for those who are in lower incomes because there is no tax threshold. There's no threshold before you start paying Social Security, as it were. So you're asking the poorest in society, the youngest in society, to pay an awful lot more when they can't get onto a house, uh, into the housing market, in order to facilitate the fact that the older generation who are fortunate enough in order to have a degree of wealth, that they might need to look at how they use their house in order to facilitate the care they need. Now, it's a very difficult question. Um, it's not something that you switch from one way to the other. It's going to have to be a blend of different answers. But there is going to be a review in the next four years, and it is going to be a fairly long-standing uh, sort of effect on Guernsey society as to how we look after the elderly. I wanted to go back to um, the equalities, uh, the discrimination law, and you mentioned in your manifesto um, that the protection is needed so as not to stymie the growth of local businesses. Um, you mentioned kind of introducing the law as an extra cost. Um, would it would it really risk stymieing their, their growth? Is, is that really uh, kind of a fair risk? I don't think that it needs to. I think that it's perfectly possible for us to be able to sell the benefits of having anti-discrimination legislation in place, but it could. And that is, this is part of the problem. You know, it's not a black and white view. Have this particular piece of legislation in equals additional costs. This is a false dichotomy. The truth is that you can introduce legislation in consultation with businesses so that they benefit from making use of this huge resource of people who are available on, uh, on the island who frequently don't have the opportunity uh, to engage with businesses to be employed in the same way. And when you have, uh, it is shown that when you've got people with disabilities employed by companies, they're generally far more faithful to that company afterwards. And the companies therefore have a, a much greater return on the investment of finding that person in the first place. There's always a, a cost to uh, employing anybody new. So I think that this is it. The conversation at the moment is entering into, once again, that false dichotomy. And I think that's where we need to be slightly more nuanced. We need to have conversation to understand what the concerns are of the businesses. And then equally, we need to address some of those concerns. We need to assist them in putting the right things in place. And we don't need this to be such a, a bureaucratic, burdensome piece of legislation that it just increases the amount of work that our HR departments have to do. Businesses need to make money and we need to respect that. But at the same time, businesses should not exclude people by mere dint of the fact of they have a disability or they are of a different race or um, all the other characteristics that have been listed in the state's debate. What have you been doing, Alice, for the last four years since you sort of uh, disappeared from the political scene? Enjoying life. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't do that as a deputy? I think you can. You know, well, I've been doing a few things. Uh, I I became a director of SAFER, which is the domestic abuse charity here in Guernsey. I, very shortly after leaving the States, uh, Maggie Coston approached me and asked whether I'd be willing to uh, serve as a director on that board. And I've been thoroughly enjoying uh, working there, as harrowing as the uh, work is in many regards. It's still very um, rewarding work. I've also been working for a company over here uh, as a project manager on a website, uh, and I've been travelling to and from the Ukraine in order to build a new website, which has been a thoroughly uh, different experience, I think I would say. Um, my Russian is getting better, but it's still not particularly good. 
and sure it's a lot better than mine um right so that's that's quite interesting um but why did you decide to not seek re-election four years ago at the end of the last four years i i, I was feeling quite tired uh to say the least um there's a fair amount of animosity that comes uh that is directed at deputies uh, and it's not helpful I remember being contacted by another former deputy at the end of my four-year term. I did an interview, I think it was with JKT on uh, BBC Guernsey. And he sent me an email saying that the relief in my voice was so evident that it was all coming to an end. There's no avoiding the fact that for a large number of people on this island, they do not engage in politics at all. But for the people who do engage in politics, they engage very intensely. And deputies feel as if they're in a goldfish bowl on a regular basis. I suppose it's not unhealthy to say that you want to take a break from that for four years. And you're quite, you know, you don't really mince your words. I think you probably agree with me on that. Do you think you're the way that you are, you know, perhaps more confrontational perhaps than others? Do you think that contributed to to the way you're feeling, feeling that way? Um, I don't know. I think that there are a number of deputies who are more forthright, but realistically, politics is not supposed to be, uh, you know, whilst you need to be able to get on with people, you also need to be able to put forward your view quite forcefully. Uh, if you believe passionately in something, I don't understand why you wouldn't be presenting your view forcefully. Uh, so I think that I'm not sure that it would have contributed any more than anybody else who decides to put their head above the parapet. Mm. And when you announced your um, candidacy, I noticed that <laughs> immediately people on Twitter, po- uh, on Facebook rather, pointed to, you know, a, a comment that you made previously, which you apologised for about people being inbred. I mean, did that, how did you feel about that? And did that kind of, did you did you regret or were you expecting that something oh, uh... like that to come back up again? Oh, there was absolutely, given the way that the article was written and given the, the, the whole of that um, time, uh, I, I, you know, of course I expected that to come up again. Um, it, it, I, you know, anybody who would have thought that it wasn't going to reappear would have been, well, quite frankly, foolish. Yes, I, I, you know, I made a bad joke seven years ago. And realistically, if that is the only thing you remember of me, then you're never going to really vote for me. But if you're interested in politics and you've looked at what my track record was, you look at what my achievements were, then you have to ask yourself, do you really want to um, not vote for someone on the basis of a bad joke seven years ago, but you still are aligned to what my thinking is? And the fact that I have a proven track record as to achieving it, that is obviously for the electorate to decide. But that's my view. And you you come, obviously, as someone who's who served in the States, uh, I guess, with a bit of an advantage of or a disadvantage, depending on on uh, on your view of, of at least having a name association and being out there and and probably known to islanders. The next sort of lead on for that, and the one thing I'm sure you're going to get asked a lot is, what did you actually achieve during your previous four years? What did you achieve? <laughs> a fair amount. Um, I was the vice chair on the same-sex uh, marriage proposals, as I've said previously. Um, but then, if we're looking at the committee work, strangely enough, one of the things that I feel most uh, proud of is the reform to adult disability services respite care. Now, that doesn't sound like an awful lot to a, a, a lot of people out there, 
But for people who are the main carers for adult uh, children, this is a, an absolute lifeline for them. And there was going to be a change in the way that things worked. It wasn't helpful in the first meeting that was laid out. It, it, you know, it was not presented well. And it created a complete distrust and a breakdown in communications between the carers whom we were supposed to service and the Health and Social Services Department, as it was back then. So I was asked if I would walk in and try to resolve it. And we worked together, we talked, we found a middle ground, and we reformed it. And I think that what we ended up with was far superior to what was there before. It's just a shame that we had to put through people through a lot of distress before we actually achieved that. Um, so I know that that doesn't sound a lot to many others, but it really does feel as if it's one of the main achievements. Um, I introduced the, of course, uh, the cap on uh, taxation on mortgage interest relief, which is slowly but surely uh, eradicating mortgage interest relief in Guernsey. Uh, that might not sound like a very popular thing to a lot of people, but when we look at history, of course, it was one of the main reasons for the French Revolution that property owners didn't have to pay tax. I found it a complete injustice, as I say, that people who were wealthy enough to own their property had a tax relief, that people who were renting were getting none. And so it was time for that to come to an end, and I'm quite pleased that I did achieve that. Alice, were you, were you tempted at all to join any kind of party or association ahead of this election? Basically, what's your take on the, the formulation of these groupings that we're seeing at the moment? Um, well, my take is that I don't actually... I'm not surprised. I think that uh, it was an inevitable result of having the island-wide voting system that we've now ended up with. Uh, I think I'm a very <laughs> heavily on the record as saying that I oppose island-wide voting. Um, but if you are going to have uh, such a system as we have you have to be able to try and make sense of it. And the only way reasonably to have this as a long-term electoral process is to enter into a, a process of having parties. But for me personally, I don't feel that this is a direction that I would like Guernsey to go in. I would rather um, that we didn't have island-wide voting. I think that this election is going to be far more difficult for first-time candidates. I think that those who are uh, already elected have a far easier pass in order to be uh, re-elected. And I think that, in a way, that is the definition of arriving somewhere and then pulling up the ladder in order to prevent others from achieving what you've achieved. I think it's just wrong. So the question as to whether I would enter into a party it is far more for me a question as to whether I endorse this system of electing a government. I don't. I have no option but to enter into it if I want to reform it. But at the same time, let's not imagine for a moment that I'm happy with the current system of island-wide voting. Mm. And have you thought at all about how many votes you might need to get elected? Oh, no, this has been a conversation with a number of other candidates. Uh, we're looking at around 5,000 votes uh, in order to be elected. So people's fears that uh, people could be elected with a few hundred votes, I, I don't think that that will come to pass. We're looking at the need for about 5,000 votes because if we take the number of people on the electoral roll, imagine that we have a turnout of about 70%, which would be uh, in line with usual uh, 
elections. Of course, we know that when we've had island-wide elections in the past, they've had lower turnouts than uh, parochial elections. But on this one, being in a novel uh, election, we might see that hold up into the usual 70% sort of area. Most people I've spoken to have said that they would be voting somewhere between 10 and 15 votes. So if we look at that as an average uh, across 119 candidates, you're looking at about 5,000 people, uh, 5,000 votes in order to be elected. Now, there are 10 people who I look at the actual role that I believe will be right up there in the top. They will be very successful. But then we start entering into um, a complete sort of flattening of the curve of how many votes people have. And I think the difference between your 38 and 39 position it's not just 38 and 39. What I would expect is that the difference between the uh, sort of, I would say, 10 people, five who did get in and five who didn't, will be very close. And I would predict at least one recount. Having spoken to a few other people, they're expecting at least two. I'm a, a little more hopeful, I suppose. And what a recount looks like with 119 candidates, I don't even want to imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've clearly given that a lot of thought. Oh, it's a uh, any deputy who said sorry, any candidate who tells you that they haven't had this conversation, they're being a little economical with the truth. Ellis Beb, thank you very much for your time. Greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. Finally, we're going to have a look um, at a post that I noticed on the Facebook group Guernsey People Have Your Say. Uh, it's likely you would have heard of that group. It does have quite a number of followers. I think it's something like 16,000. Um, and it's posted by a guy called Horace Camp. Um, he's, you know, very um, up on politics in Guernsey, so you may have heard his name as well on Twitter. But he he writes that, I've, I've long had the dream that this forum would provide a way for the people of Guernsey to interact with their politicians and would-be politicians. Uh, very few have done that. Um, however, the vast majority are too frightened to dip their toes in our water for fear of the sharks who will bite their feet off. He goes on to say, I'm doing my utmost to encourage candidates to open lines of communication with us, but I fear if they do that, that will encourage concerted attacks upon them, both by the ignorant and the ones who should know better. The forum relies on members reporting abusive content to enable the admins to take action as quickly as possible. Yeah, he says, I plead with you to take your responsibilities as members seriously by firstly being civil at all times and secondly reporting immediately anyone that isn't being civil. This forum is perfectly placed to help us engage on an island-wide basis with all 119 candidates if we can just get them on board. Yeah, it's an interesting point. Um, we've obviously seen candidates interacting on the forum, posting their manifestos, answering questions, some more than others. Um, Yvonne Burford is one that I've seen that's been pretty active on there. But the, the question, I guess, remains for candidates is how much time and effort do you plough into a particular online community versus actually getting out and about and meeting people? Is you know the value of that interaction online anything like actually meeting someone in person how much effort should you put in it's a really interesting question i think i think the argument though is obviously there are only so many doors that you can lock on aren't there so actually tapping into a, a huge audience of um people who are engaged online in a particular facebook group or perhaps um on twitter 
probably more effective um, as a catch-all for you know thousands of people rather than having to go and do that very arduous door knocking. Yeah, but I think the point that Horace is making here is definitely that people are put off, aren't they? Because you've got your so-called keyboard warriors, people who are uncivil, people who are rude, people who do post-abuse, and this is something we've heard from deputies time and time again, is that, it, you know, okay, it comes with territory, but it, it happens, you know, and those kind of interactions you're more likely to get. You open a can of worms by being engaged and interacting online, um, probably more so than you would get, you know, just speaking to people in the street or outside their homes. People tend to be more courteous and civil when they actually have to front up and talk to someone face to face. I mean, <laughs> not in every case, but... Um, you know, I guess this is what he's trying to do by putting this call out and saying, look, this could be a really good platform to interact with candidates. Um, but basically, people need to stick to the rules and, and just be decent. So it'd be really interesting to see whether this takes off and whether we do see more interaction on this forum, because it's definitely the biggest single place, I guess, where voters and candidates can interact. Yeah. And, and you know, it speaks to Ellis Bebb's point, doesn't it, that he actually had to take a four-year hiatus from government because uh, the the abuse, the, the criticism that he received, it was, you know, it was overwhelming. And it does speak volumes. I know people say that you open yourself up to criticism. They've, they've said it probably to you before, Rob, about being on the radio, as they have to me. You're in the public eye, so you're open to criticism. But I just, I'm not sure I see it that way. I think you are open to scrutiny, but there are so many cases of people being just overtly abusive and it really isn't good for, uh, you know, it's not a good place for candidates to be online, but I think it is the ideal place for them to be. So it's trying to find that balancing act of getting them online and keeping them there by by being reasonable. Yeah, and I guess the final point on this is not only are there all these challenges about interacting online and, you know, when things don't go well and do go south, but there's also another challenge that candidates face this time is basically cutting through the noise and getting noticed as well, because, you know, there's going to be 117 others that are, are potentially going to be trying to compete for people's attention online as well. So it'd be really interesting to see how they try and do that, whether that's through social media, whether that's through forums like this one on Facebook, or if they come up with something completely different. I mean, we're seeing videos uh, you know, for the first time through the state's website, you know, how are people coming across? If that's your only way of interacting with people and you see them on a video, you know, you're really going to want to nail that three minutes that you've got to try and come across as a decent person and, and reasonable and, and all the other things people look for in a, in a candidate. So, yeah, it's going to be fascinating. Yeah, if you want to hear how well people come across in a two-minute fashion, you can also listen to the Guernsey Daily's audio manifestos. Thanks for listening. You can find those audio manifestos in the same place you found this episode of the Guernsey Daily. Yeah, and you can also hear us on Guernsey Community Radio. We've partnered with them and you can also get in touch um, on Twitter at Guernsey Daily or send us an email to theguernseydaily at gmail.com. Until next time, goodbye. Thanks for listening.